And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic Coming up on this week's show. Tune Army, a musical welcome to our Deadline Day trio. Born Trippier, Kieran from Footy sits down with Alan from work. And Pitch Battle, the real work, starts now. Yes, hello everyone, I am Taylor Payne, this is Pod on the Tyne, and before we get into all of the deadline day madness and the transfer window business, it's hello once again to The Athletic's Newcastle United correspondent Chris Woff and our senior writer, Mr George Colgan. How are we doing lads? Chris, you must be absolutely knackered, you poor lamb. Yeah, I assume we're not talking about the transfer window day because that finished yesterday and I'm done with it now. So that's that's me done. <laughs> that's like you finished. <laughs> I'm refusing to, to chat about it, yeah. Don't investigate things retrospectively, do you, Chris? That's you done. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a point, there was a point yesterday during deadline day where I actually tried to step back for a second and breathe and I just thought, I cannot remember a time where this transfer window wasn't open. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But yes, it was, oh, brilliant. it was. Yes, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm brilliant. I had a great day yesterday. I sat on the couch and drank Guinness most of the afternoon and watched the telly. How did, <laughs> what did you do, George? Did you have a good day? Well, I was I was working. I mean, Chris would probably say about time too. Um, but um, I would, I, and I will, I will repeat uh, what I've said to Chris in in private. But what a brilliant window he's had. Obviously, I was struggling a bit with illness at the start of this month, and Chris has just been, he's just been great. I'm not just saying this. He's uh, he's absolutely been all over it. Worked really, really hard, and I'm dead, dead, dead proud of him. So well done, Chris. And I mean, yeah, yesterday, yesterday was a very long day. But I mean, I wrote this piece. I wrote this piece for the start of the day. You know how refreshing that Newcastle were actually involved in in a positive capacity on transfer deadline day. And um, you know, real you could sort of do without that in a way, really, because um, you know it's a it's a kind of it's a mess and a jamboree, and it's all a bit de- desperate on the last day. But you know, we're so used to the final day of the window uh, coming to a close and us feeling miserable or annoyed or you know. Andy Carroll leaving, whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so kind of giddy with activity is how I feel. Absolutely. I want to say well done to Chris as well, Chris, because you are often the, the the butt of some of our rather cruel jokes on this podcast, aren't you? But you've absolutely knocked this one out of the park this last few weeks. You've you've run your little legs off, Chris. Well played. <laughs> well played. Not to sound entirely patronising, but... <laughs> Thank, well thank done, you very guys. much, guys. I'm not, I'm not used <clears throat> to the two of you being nice to me, so it's... Uh... No, that stops oh, now, though, is, by the way. That stops now. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a one. I was gonna say it's. I was gonna say it's just a one week moratorium, but maybe it's just a one minute. It's a one. Just minute. the intro. Yeah, respite. Straight back. The armistice stops now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you can subscribe to the Athletic right now with a thirty three percent discount at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod, and you get full access to all of our great writing and ad free versions of the Athletic's podcasts. Uh, so make your way to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod and sign up for a third offer subscription right now. Right, chaps, let's get into it. So. 
So, for once, transfer deadline day at Newcastle United was not akin to watching a tumbleweed slowly roll past St James's Park. We didn't sell our best player. We didn't leave our manager hanging. In fact, as George wrote for The Athletic Monday morning, uh, Newcastle have finally come to this demented party. Let the yellow ticker scroll. Uh, we, we did sign some footballers, which is uh, pretty handy, isn't it? We did need them as well. So let's have a look at the new boys. And we're going to do it, as we often do on Pod on the Tyne, in a slightly unusual manner. We signed three players, and we're going to give each of them an introduction with a little musical fanfare. think of that Nike advert in the airport that's great so that was Matt Target wasn't it that was Matt Target yeah (laughs) oh you silly sausage George I don't get that at all Uh, first up on Sunday afternoon Brazilian international Bruno Guimaraes is that right Chris Guimaraes I think but that's probably not correct Chris Gimaresh, is that what we're saying? Gimaresh, I think, but Gimaresh. That's, that's not. Really. Okay. Uh, Bruno, yeah, from uh, Leon, a fantastic signing. What you would say is probably the most glamorous of all of the signings, George? Ooh, yes. I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Good. I mean, we'll come on and talk about, we'll come on and talk about uh, Kieran Trippier and his importance. But yeah, I think, I think definitely. I mean, sort of the one that that I think people are most excited about because of, you know, he's a young player. He's seen as one of the most talented in his position in the in the continent, I would say, and yeah, and, and possibly the one that represents a bit of a a bit of a gamble in the sense that he hasn't played in the Premier League before, unlike everybody else, and you you sort of don't know how he will settle. But yeah, certainly the one that I think gave everybody a lift, and um, you know somebody. Somebody, somebody who who Chris wrote about at length actually. So it's probably best best equipped to to talk about what he could bring to the team. But very, I'm very excited, very excited about him. Can't wait to see Bruno in black and white, Chris. What what do we think? Definitely. I mean, the going into this window before Callum Wilson got injured, there was two real priority positions: centre back and central midfield. They're two positions which long term Newcastle wanted to strengthen. Obviously, there was the Steve Bruce trying to sign Hamza Chowdhury without the club's uh, backing in the summer oh, window. Don't remind me. <laughs> there was, uh, we can laugh about it now. We can laugh about <laughs> yes. it now. There was, there was actually uh, two Januaries ago, They Newcastle had a fee agreed for Samari um, at Lille, and that was mm. then, he, he then didn't want to come, so he didn't get on the plane. So that position's been a long-term issue that they've needed to solve. Uh, Gimaresh has been described to me by uh, one person who's sort of been in around the deal as, as sort of like a number six plus in the sense that he is he's not just a classic sort of holding midfielder. He has more to his game than that and he is technically very good. And, and what is crucial to what he will bring to Newcastle, what Eddie Howe was looking for is someone who can handle receiving possession in difficult circumstances, who can have players around him, who can both uh, retain possession and also progress it up the field. He's very good at both passing it forwards and also uh, dribbling forwards from midfield. He helps get teams higher up the pitch, which is exactly what Eddie Howe wants. We, well, what we said we needed last week as well, wasn't it? It's yeah, exactly ball retention. Newcastle have been awful ball retention-wise for a long while. They have the lowest share of possession in the Premier League this season. And in theory, Bruno Gimresh is, is meant to change that. I mean, as, as George touched upon... He was the one player who, if you look at it from who Newcastle signed this month, that, that was seen in quote quarters a little bit of a of a calculated gamble in the sense that um they recognise he's he's the only one who's coming in from uh who hasn't played in the Premier League before. Three of them have signed from other Premier League clubs. Uh one has come from uh from Atletico Madrid, but obviously Trippier played in England for a long while. Gimaresh is coming from Ligue 1. It, it may take him a little bit of time to adapt, but they're hoping that he can come straight into the team, uh, progress them in that sense, and really add that that extra little bit in midfield that Newcastle have lacked for so long, those legs and that that sort of ability to, to, to retain possession. It's that link player as well, isn't it, Chris? It's that person who, I mean, for so long we've looked at this team and it's like, well, there's no balance. You know, there's no balance in the team. And, 
you know, are they are they trying to be a defensive team? Are they trying to be an attacking team? I think my hope is that these signings, this window, allow Newcastle to actually become something. You know, instead of being reactive all the time, or you know, that there's and you know that that idea, as you say, of, of of kind of getting getting up the pitch more, but linking, you know, linking those players. So often you see Newcastle's attackers adrift from everybody else. So often you see the defence exposed. I think he could be the player that sort of links links all those things together. I think that's the hope. From what I've seen of him, he's, he looks like quite a powerful lad as well. He's he's fairly tall. He can he can pick a pass forwards. Uh, seen a few great videos of him slotting balls through the eye of a needle to to play in forwards and stuff like that. And and we need someone who's going to be able to put their foot on the ball in the middle of that park and and drop the shoulder or do something just to get us out of a sticky situation. And and you know we've had too many uh, instances where players have panicked on the ball. Uh, in the middle of the park, and and he hopefully will give us a little bit of uh, a little bit of calmness in there. Um, I, I can't wait to see him play, and I'm actually really looking forward to that Everton game. And I'm hoping that he'll get his debut against Everton on uh, on Tuesday next week. Fingers crossed. That's well, he's, uh, he's also uh, just just to expand on, on the sort of excitement around it. He is. Whereas you look at Sven Botman and even Diego Carlos to an extent, who had a lot of clubs looking at them. Newcastle and nobody else managed to, to to extract any of those players this month, but they managed to do it with with Gimares. And and the the suggestion was that Arsenal, who have looked at him for a long while, possibly even Juventus and maybe other clubs, were waiting until the summer. And Newcastle have managed to sort of jump the queue almost. They waited until the last week of the window to actually make the move. Uh, then when they did go, that they went hard. And and they, what they found in Leon that they hadn't found in Lille and Sevilla was a club that was willing to deal at a price that Newcastle were willing to get to. And so, in theory, if if all the add-ons are met, it could become a club record deal. But the the initial outlay is not quite the same as it was. For Joe Linton, and so it's it's someone who that they have signed a player. This is the first player because Trippier is thirty one years of age. I'm sure a lot of Premier League clubs would like to have signed one since, but this is the first player you look at it and think that a lot of clubs in Europe who will be looking at Newcastle potentially quite enviously in terms of them having pulled this one off. So let's just hope that he can fulfil that potential at St James's Park. Absolutely. So that's Bruno out of the way. Let's move on to signing number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, what has that got to do with my target? Oh, God. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Next up is six foot seven signing centre half from Brighton. Dan Byrne returns to his boyhood club. Do not get what we're doing here. Yes, it's not my target. This one's Dan Byrne, George. Dan Byrne, six foot seven, Chris. He's a very long lad, isn't he? <laughs> he is. I mean, did you, did you see the, the video that Newcastle released where he was stood at the bottom of the stairs and the person with the camera was stood at the top and he was still Serena, sort of level the, with the, them? The yeah, Serena so, so, you know, was still level with them. So funny. Just, uh, it's no, it's this is the sort of um, the emotional story. I think it's a lovely story. This one, if you, in terms of if you look at it, and and Dan Byrne, born in in, in Blythe, Northumberland, was at the Newcastle's academy. Well, it's season ticket holder actually in the East Stand with with his with his brother and his and his dad was in Newcastle's academy. Released as as a young lad, and he actually says in the club interview that he did. He was he, he looks back and he he was released because he was crap at that st- at that point. <laughs> and then he goes down. He plays. He worked in Asda for a bit. He goes into non-league football. He's applied first, and he got, he works up to, to Dalton. Gets his chance in the lower leagues. Builds up. Eventually, spends three and a half years at Brighton. And he, he readily admitted he wouldn't have left. He wouldn't have been pushing to leave Brighton at all for anyone other than his boyhood club Newcastle. And he comes back at the age of of twenty nine. And ironically, the final signing Newcastle make in the in the January window is actually probably the most important and I don't mean that necessarily with it being Dan Byrne and being the most exciting in that sense I mean position wise they had to get a centre back this month they really really had to and it, it took until 15 minutes before the end of the window before they announced it but finally they had Byrne and he wasn't the first choice he wasn't even really close to being the first choice but he does strengthen them and does give them that left-sided centre back option that they've wanted throughout. Absolutely. Dan Byrne spoke a little bit about leaving Brighton. Let's have a little listen to that. Honestly, if, if it hadn't been Newcastle, I wouldn't have left. I loved my time there. Well, obviously, we were doing well. Uh, I was playing regularly and stuff. I really enjoyed it under the manager, and um, playing with that bunch of lads and stuff. But once I knew Newcastle were interested, I knew that I wanted to be here. 
said like I spoke to the manager and stuff and the project that they want to do here and obviously in the immediate short term like I want to fight to keep the, the team in the division. And I don't think anyone really understands that that aren't Newcastle fans and, and George like how much it means to the city and stuff so hopefully if I can bring a little bit of that passion into the, uh, the club both on and off the pitch um, will make it positive. Dan Byrne, he obviously knows the club, George, he knows it well, he knows what it means to come and play for Newcastle United and and he's put the hard yards in in his career as well, he's been all over the place and and here he is now uh, for the next two and a half years, um, Dan Byrne slotting in at centre-back, there you go, what a signing. Yeah, and I think you can see what Brighton thought of him, they, they sent him that, uh, well they sent Newcastle that lovely tweet saying go and smash it at your boyhood club and stuff like that, which was a lovely, lovely touch um, from them. And yeah, Chris Chris and Andy Naylor, our Brighton writer, have written another very, very good piece on Dan. You know, he, he has that sort of physicality, six foot seven, but he's he's also a he's a he's a ball playing centre half too. And so he will bring something else to Newcastle's armory. Um it'll you know, one one of the sort of interesting things uh, moving forward will be t- to see how Newcastle, if Newcastle become more efficient at set pieces, obviously they've got uh, Trippier, who's, whose delivery we sort of know about. There's now now Chris Wood up front, certainly whilst uh, Wilson is playing. And, you know, suddenly they're going to have a bit more physicality and a bit more height in the team. That's uh, that's encouraging. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does. It is a great story. It's a lovely story. It is a position that if Newcastle had not strengthened this month, it could only be seen as a failure because it was their priority. Um, yeah, Chris says, not the people that they were looking at through through the window, but they've got they've got somebody that was important, and I do think he's an upgrade. Chris, it's not it's not exactly a glamour signing, is it? But it's it's not about glamour signings in this window and at this situation that we're in. It's about getting the right people, bringing them in, and the ones who can bed in and play straight away from the off and make an impact on that team, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's sort of three important bits to, to, to the Dan Burns sign. I think first of all, just saying that they had to sign a centre back. They had to they had to sign a centre back this month. It would have been as George said, it would have it would have been a failure of a window, no matter what else they did, at least a, a partly failure of a window if they didn't. And what Howe decided when they couldn't get Carlos when they couldn't get Botman was well what I want is I want someone with Premier League experience but he didn't just want anyone either he, he they had Nat Phillips as an option as a backup all the way through the window from Liverpool they had other potential options as well other people put to them but what he wanted was someone with Premier League experience but someone who also could try and help play in the way that he wants his defence to play and some people may argue some fans may be a bit underwhelmed by Dan Byrne they might say is he that much better defensively than some of the players we've got but what he can do what he's been doing for the last two and a bit years is playing the way that Graham Potter plays playing it out from the back playing that sort of way and exactly what Eddie Howe wants he wants a team to be higher at the pitch he wants the defenders to be comfortable on the ball and Dan Byrne is I mean actually it's a lovely bit in the piece where which um, the that was written uh, by Andy Nilo where he says that basically Byrne himself says that he's better with the ball at his feet than he than he is with his head essentially though and, and people are surprised because of because of his side. But the third the third important element and I do think that in the in the sort of situation that there's been since the takeover and in all of everything that's that that's surrounded the, the takeover, to have another player who has the roots in the city and in the cl- with the club, I do think that that is important, and I, and I know some people may roll the uh, may roll their eyes and go, "Well, does it really matter?" I do think it's so important. You've already got Paul Dummett there. You've got Sean Longstaff. You've also got Mark Gillespie. But I think having Dan Byrne, someone who's come home, ha- feels that connection, wants to play for the club. I, I do think that that's so important, and I think that, and that for me is why that that, that just this signing just takes on that extra level as well. Absolutely. You know for a fact he's going to give his all, doesn't don't you? Oh, and I want so, some more music. You know for a fact he'll put everything into it and Come on. try and keep the club up. We're going to talk about all this in a minute. Come on, I want some more music. <laughs> okay, right then. <laughs> Somebody's uh, I've got Anthony's pants today. Right, let's move on. Um, signing number three. Right, 
Newcastle have signed Delamitri on loan from Aston Villa. Oh, that's Kieran Trippier. I don't get that one. Ollie, I'm sorry, I don't get that one. What's no, that I one? Get, I don't get that I one. don't get that. This is really tenuous. They're Scottish. <laughs> Taggart. Is that to make it sound oh, a little man. bit like Taggart? God. What is Matt that? Taggart. What has Matt Taggart. Matt Taggart. It can't be that. <laughs> Surely can't. Oh my god! All right, Ollie, I'm sorry. You, we're going to have to leave this into the podcast because I do want our audience <laughs> to know that you are now fired. So we're going to have to somehow find a way of producing this rest of this podcast ourselves. But I, surely that can't be difficult if that's the best you can do. <laughs> wow, I'm shocked. I'm shocked by that. Because right, they're well, Scottish, <laughs> could have had anything. I guess. <laughs> Taggart. Oh, Ollie, Ollie, right, Ollie. Matt Target. Oh, Matt Taggart. He just, he just Matt Taggart. I can't believe that Ollie just completely <laughs> lost any enthusiasm for that job at that point, didn't he? It was going quite well. Oh, oh my so God. good. And then he just oh, crashed, and, crashed and done, burned at the end, didn't he? Sounds a bit like Taggart. <laughs> Matt Target joins on a six-month loan from Aston Villa, Chris Newcastle have been after fullback for a while. Uh, we got Trippier on the uh, right-hand side. Obviously, uh, Matt Ritchie's been filling in there along with Jamal Lewis and even Javier Manquillo now and again. But Matt Targets came in. Is, is this someone Newcastle have looked at for a while or has this been a, a, a relatively recent uh, addition to the targets, if you excuse the pun? Yes, it's it's it is a relatively recent one. Um, the I think it's caught a lot of people by surprise that they actually wanted a left back, and for the reasons that you've mentioned. I mean, Jamal Lewis has been injured. Paul Dummett's had a lot of injuries, but they are both basically back. And Matt Ritchie has covered in there, but they also, I suppose, Dan Byrne can also play there. They could even play Q and Trippy on that side. Um, Javier Manquillo. But how's for how fullbacks? I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Fullbacks are very, very important. He likes to, he likes a lot of the attacks to go through his fullbacks. He's got Kieran Trippier on one side. He wanted to upgrade both flanks, and and Matt Target basically Newcastle inquired almost as soon as as Luca Dinia signed for. Aston Villa, a player that Newcastle actually tried to sign, which was still a bit of a bizarre one for me because they, they pursued that for a good, a good few days and his agent had made it clear that he wasn't going to come. So um, th- they did look at other left-back options. My understanding is that Ruggiero of Sassuolo, who uh, Newcastle have looked at in previous windows, he's been on Nixon's list for a while, he was another person that I looked at. But Matt Target, again, what Howe wanted was Premier League experience. Target wanted to come out and play. He's been told by Eddie Howe, he's been given assurances that he will get opportunities to play as well. Um, and so he comes in and, and basically you look at the five players Newcastle have signed this window and with Wilson injured at the moment, all five you expect to be in the starting lineup once they're all fit and ready and available, which is which is what Newcastle wanted at the start of this window. They didn't just want to sign players to, bulk, uh, to, to just basically bulk out the squad. What they wanted was first team ready players and hopefully that's what they've brought in in Matt, Tag- in Matt Target. And they called him Taggart now. Don't you, that's stuck in my head. You did say Taggart. I can't believe that. I've just been giggling to myself. Oh, Jesus. Taggart. Oh, my God. That was a dreadful. That was so bad. It's like something that I would have done. Oh, man. George, I don't fancy being the man who has to tell Matt Ritchie that he doesn't get to play anymore as well. No, no, definitely not. Um, and I'm sure he will be getting a squad number for the rest of the season. Um, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, Target is a is a, is an offensive is an offensive left back, and so um, you know that's something that that's something that was that was needed. And um, no, I think Chris Chris has sort of said said it all there. Um, and you know the 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 one thing that we haven't really seen so far is a is a Eddie Howe defence, and so this has been an almost complete sort of recasting. Of the defence, I mean, it's if if it's four at the back, then it's three out of four positions that are going to be changing. I mean, that's actually asking quite a lot of of the team because uh, you know, ideally, the the, the defence is is obviously the bedrock of the team. It's not been that for Newcastle in terms of conceding goals and and so on and so forth. But it's still a big move to do this. Um, Trippier, we know, wants to get forward. We know he's very good delivery. Get wants to get forward. Dan Byrne is good with the ball at his feet. So we're going to see. A different style of 
defence, I think. And um, yeah, it's about whether whether they can all gel together, isn't it? It really is. Uh, right then, all told, there we go. Newcastle brought in five players during January and finished the month as Euro's biggest spenders. And the big question, the difficult question, is where Say that again. all of this? Say that again, Taylor. Which bit? Newcastle finished the month as Europe's biggest spenders. Europe's biggest spenders. That's astonishing, isn't it? It is. Sorry to interrupt, but... No, it's fine. Don't let it happen again. Um, <laughs> the big question, uh, like I said, the difficult question is where all this activity actually leaves us. And we asked our subscribers for their thoughts on the real-time section of the Athletic app. And Gavin Kay uh, has said, fantastic window all told, but have we got enough at the top end of the pitch to win enough games? George, what do we think about this? Yeah, it's a good question. Obviously, we know that Newcastle were were close, or they thought they were close on Monday morning to, to signing Ekatike, um, and were very happy about that. He was seen uh, very much as one for the future, but a player who they thought could make uh, an instant impact off the bench. That then didn't happen. Um, they were running out of time to kind of get the paperwork done anyway, but also the player... Uh, decided it was best for him to stay where he was for the time being, and that's you know that's fair enough. And that then did lead Newcastle to uh, to try again for Lingard, who they've been looking at throughout the whole window. So, in that sense, the last few hours of the window were a disappointment. And yeah, I guess the concern is that there were then fewer options up front. They have, of course, bought Chris Wood. He's more of a sort of immediate replacement for for Callum Wilson. Wilson, I guess, must be about a month away now, Chris. Um, jump in to correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, yeah, and, they're, they're, um, they're, hope, they're hopefully might be back for Brighton, which is the start of March, I think. That, that yeah, was the problem so, but, and I, I know that a lot of people have said this, where are the goals going to come from? How do we score goals? You know, all that kind of thing. And I do, I do understand that concern. What I'm hoping to see from this window is Newcastle playing further up the pitch. I mean, when I look at the players that they've bought, I think that look, feels to me like the plan. Now, that then becomes quite interesting. So, you know, in some ways, I dread the thought of Newcastle's defence being 10 yards further up the pitch because of the spaces we've seen you know, the previous version leave behind. But if you have a defence that's comfortable to get up the pitch, you then have a midfield that's further up the pitch, and then you have forwards further up the pitch. And so, you know, I don't want to see St Maxima uh, in his own half trying to beat somebody and losing the ball. because You know, I, I want to see him in the final third. So I think this, to me, feels like, and, you know, with Bruno there, hopefully getting the ball forward and comfortable in possession and doing all that. I'm less concerned about that at the moment because, you know, the idea of Trippier being of bombing forward, target potentially getting forward, um, supplying Wood, supplying the other forwards, the forwards then able to do the damage. I think that's where the goals come f- come from in theory. But yes, obviously the club were trying to bolster their 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 ranks uh, yesterday too. So that is a it's a good question, but uh, yeah, we will have to wait and see. Ben W asks, do you guys believe we have strengthened sufficiently to stay up? Um, let me have a stab at this one, first of all, lads. Um, I think the signings we've made are good. <clears throat> and I think the ones uh, the ones that we brought in early on in the window, Trippier and, and Wood were really required. I think Trippier is a great signing. I think we've um, we've done brilliantly to get him in for a player his calibre. The, the Bruno Gimaresh signing is is not one that I uh, ever would expect Newcastle to make in a January, and it's taken me by surprise, and I'm really excited by that as well. And these last couple in the uh, at the end of the window are that we really needed Dan Byrne. We really needed a centre-half um, desperately. Have we done enough to stay up? Um, looking at the team and what that starting eleven would be from now on, I think, I think we probably have. And we have to also remember there's an awful lot of shit at the bottom end of that table. Uh, and we have to hope that we are not going to be below it at the end. Um, George, how do you feel about this? Have we done enough to stay up? Well, I mean, I felt very gloomy after Watford, I have to say. I mean, I, I, you know, and I felt that that was... That's not was, like you, is it, George? Well, it is very like me. It is very <laughs> like me. But I'm also incredibly fickle. So, you know, come the end of come the end of Leeds, albeit, you know, not a wonderful performance necessarily, but an absolutely massive result. If you, if you reverse those two results, then, you know, it's probably bare minimum for, the, for those two games. But, 
yeah, I have a lot more. I have a lot more hope. And then I think you know we there were concerns internally about the the trip to Saudi and whether that might serve as a as a kind of distraction, whether they needed it. But the kind of feedback that we've got is that you know certainly if we're just purely looking at it as a team bonding exercise, it seems to have kind of gone quite well. And then there's the momentum of 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 these final signings. So wh- whether it's enough to stay up. I, I don't know. I still think it'll be very close. I think they've given themselves a chance. That's the important thing. They've given themselves a chance. They've addressed the things that they absolutely had to address, and you know, they've 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 gone above and beyond in terms of the money that they expected to spend this month. Originally, um, you know, we thought it'd be about half this, and um, that was certainly the plan. So they've given themselves a chance, and now. You know, not not trying to put pressure on here, but it's over to Eddie Howe to, to who, who, by the way, has also been incredibly heavily involved this month as well. So he, you know, he deserves credit for that. But it's over to him to make it to make it work. And so, yeah, I mean, the point is that the squad is a lot stronger than it was um, 30, 31 days ago. So they've given themselves a chance. Absolutely. And Stephen Al has asked, and Chris, we'll go to you with this one. Um, will the players we targeted this month and unfortunately didn't acquire be targeted again in the summer? I always love this, that as soon as a window ends, we're already thinking, <laughs> we're always thinking about the next one. I mean, I mean, there's, ver- there's various different uh, factors here. First of all, Newcastle, whether Newcastle United stay in the Premier League. If Newcastle United go yeah, down, then huge, Sven Botman is not going to be signing for Newcastle United this summer. He is someone who, who they maintain... An interesting and still really like. Same with uh, Hugo Ekatike. I think initially, I think in some ways that was almost a signing where they they brought that one forward and, and they were probably looking more for him for the summer anyway. But beyond just the factor of survival, there is also how the team performs and, and what Eddie Howe decides um, are the areas you really need to strengthen the summer. And also, a direct, once a director of football arrives and what the plan becomes for the summer. Newcastle were trying to recruit for a very specific set of circumstances this month and they wanted to sign players for beyond that and the likes of Sven Botman and, and Diego Colas were seen as players who would be able to, to, to be part of Newcastle regardless. But equally, if Newcastle survive and are in a position where they really can strengthen going into the summer, other targets may yet arise. So it's a very difficult question to answer less than 24 hours after the window's closed for all those various reasons. But uh, certainly some of the more ambitious signings remain very highly rated uh, at St. James's Park. And so I think that they will certainly remain in thoughts for now, but there will be a lot of, of forward planning ahead of the summer just once A, they have that those executive positions filled and then B, when they have a clear idea of what division they're going to be in. Good stuff. Well, if that wasn't enough information for you and all of that little lot, Chris and George have also written a long piece uh, full of details about the whole transfer window on theathletic.com right now. Uh, chaps, what's the what's the big themes been of the last month? George, uh, what was Newcastle's policy going into this? What did that look like? Well, I mean, I think throughout, I think you can see Eddie Howe's influence um, that that what he wanted um, ideally were players with um, Premier League experience or to use a horrible Brexity kind of phrase that were oven ready for, for the challenge facing, sorry, I do apologise, for the challenge facing chasing the team now drummer. and um, and if you look at, you know, if you look at the players they brought in, I mean, you know, starting with Kieran Trippier, you know, a quality player, an instant upgrade, as you say, Taylor. Um, we'll we'll come on and chat about him soon. But someone who's prepared to be here, get his hands dirty, all the cliches. Um, that's exactly what they need. You certainly say the same thing about Chris Wood. Okay, fine. Um, you know, not necessarily wouldn't have necessarily been the first choice for that position, but someone who's experienced. You know, staying up with Burnley knows how to fight as a physical player and then you can go through the players one by one and so that is really a theme and you know that's what I like about what they've done you know it is about the here and the now it's you know it's sort of reminiscent in a way of the championship season when they had to sign players who could get who could get Newcastle up and so that does mean you compromise um so that's been one theme and yeah the other the other one is is that sort of is that low risk and and character really that's what's that's what's seen them through i think that stands out for me chris another theme that's um came out in the uh, in the window has been other clubs or clubs that we've been trying to buy from playing silly buggers haven't they with with fees and moving the goalposts every five minutes on on potential targets uh what what do you think on that 
Yeah, I mean, the Manchester United example would be perfect on this in terms of Jesse Lingard and how that deal didn't happen. And actually, Laurie Whitwell has written a very good piece, uh, which went up on The Athletic a few days ago, looking at this situation and basically talking about how Man United viewed the situation, how they viewed Newcastle. And they've almost got like, it's almost like a sort of policy they've got for clubs who are owned by sovereign wealth funds or or, or, or nouveau rich, rich, those sorts of, of clubs. And that they didn't want to, that basically it's in their interest to an extent for, for Newcastle to go down, that they don't want Newcastle to, to, to really be in a position where they fear in the future will be able to challenge for their sort of top four position or, or beyond. And so... That there, there was those those situations. There was also clubs like Spurs, where we know that there's also been frustrations behind the scenes. Um, there again, trying to protect their position. I don't think that it quite materialised to the extent where there was the suggestions that some clubs would just refuse to deal with Newcastle. Obviously, Villa did in the end loan Newcastle Matt Target, but I also think the fact that they only used one of those domestic loans despite Eddie Howe wanting Premier League experience shows that it wasn't as easy to do domestic deals as they necessarily wanted it to be and so yeah it was it was it was one of a number of factors which is as we go to it it's a it's a it's an exhaustive piece which really reflects an exhausting month but it's one of a number of factors which showed what just how difficult and unique this transfer window was not just for Newcastle United but for any for any club um to have gone from the position Newcastle are in and to have gone from from doing so little previously, there was there was some a recruitment person I spoke to about this who said to have gone from Mike Ashley's do very little in most windows, never mind January windows, to suddenly doing all of the business that Newcastle have tried to do is just incredible. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been a very complicated month and and, and other clubs uh, have been difficult to deal with has just been one of those many factors. Absolutely. Well, if you want to read that long piece by George and Chris all about the transfer window and the saga that comes along with it, get yourself to theathletic.com now uh, with a 33% discount available to you. Subscribe at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. We'll be back in just a second with Alan from work and Kieran Trivia. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right then, not too long ago, Alan from work, a.k.a. the Line of Gosforth, a.k.a. athletic columnist and Newcastle's record goal scorer, a.k.a. it's only Alan Bloody Shearer, sat down for an interview with Kieran Trippier, the club's first and tone-setting new edition last month, and it was an absolute belter. And we've got a few clips for you to listen to. First up, Alan asked Kieran if he had already had a taste of the ups and downs on Newcastle United's roller coaster. Well, before I signed, obviously, I, I know, obviously, really close to the manager and the, I know a lot of the players here and I knew the position that they was in. Like I said in many interviews before, you know, I'm the type of character where, you know, I'll, I can challenge myself. I'm not scared to throw myself in the deep end. I never look back. Yeah. It was a great opportunity for me to come back to England, as I made it clear uh, with the manager behind the scenes, with Simeone, is if I have the opportunity to come back to the north of England, I would like to, you know, look at it. It didn't happen in the summer, so I just got my head down with Madrid, um, played all the games. And then, you know, things started happening towards like um, December time when I heard about Newcastle. So, me, I have no regrets. I always look forward. Uh, it's a great opportunity and most importantly, a challenge. And it's a tough challenge, but, you know, something that I'm, I'm not um, scared to shy away from. The owners have, have been on record and said that um, you're up for a scrap and a fight and a, and a battle. That's what you are, isn't it? That's what you've had to do all your career. Me personally? Yeah. Yeah, of course. From getting let go at Man City, um, when they just got took over. Um, 
I had Zabaleta and Michael Richards in front of me. And as a young player, I wanted to go out and play. And I've had people doubt me throughout my career, but I've just focused on myself. I know I can play at the highest level. Um, and again, everybody's, in, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but I've just always got my, my head down. And when the challenges have come in front of me, um, I've always tried to, to overcome them. I didn't need to say it, but I saw some of your leadership qualities when, after the Cambridge game, you were the one that were sort of trying to get your teammates back on, onto the uh, onto the pitch. You're going to need all of that and, and more. And do you set, do you see yourself as a as a leader? I mean that that it doesn't just come as, as or does it come as natural to you to to do that when you saw players going off? You thought it was your job, even though you're new into the club, had to get them back out on the pitch and do what they have to do. Yeah, I think it's obviously for, for any player, as you know, when you get beat the way we did um, against the lower lower league side, it's disappointing and some players mm. might take it as embarrassment. But yeah, for me, I've always done it. Every club that I've been at, win, lose or draw, I've always, you know, clapped the fans. Um, and yeah, I'll just shout to a few of the boys, you know, just to appreciate it because they're 55,000 at home against Cambridge. You've got to show your appreciation. But yeah, it's, you know, I feel like Throughout my career, I'm always a talker on the pitch. I'm, um, I always want to help players, even when I was younger. Uh, the best player for me was Craig Bellamy when I was at City. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant with me personally, um, and I learned a lot off him and the experience that I had with him. Um, you know, I've, even this morning in the training, <laughs> I was only young. Last, I couldn't really say much to him. Uh, but no, he, honestly, I even look back till now, and he helped me so much when when Mark Hughes was manager, and I'll never forget the little things that he did and. Um, some players, you know, didn't know how to handle him, but I just got on with it, and I think that's mm. why we got on. But I feel like I find myself as I talk around the pitch. Um, I try and help my teammates, even now in the dressing room. I've only been there nine days, but I feel like to help my teammates, I need to be vocal um, because of the experiences that I've had as well with England and Madrid. So, you know, a lot of players have asked me about different things about Madrid. So it's good to get to know mm. players about their journey. To, to where they are now. Where do you get that from? Is that from your parents in terms of growing up and what you've had to put up with or what? <laughs> I've got three older brothers, so I think I've, uh, I've learned a lot of them. Uh, um, you know, being the youngest and having to defend yourself. But uh, yeah. I think it's just the players that I've played with in the past. Um, yeah, I said Craig Bellamy, for example, and just the experiences as well and the captains that I've had, especially like Harry Kane and Koke. You know, great leaders, and I've learned yeah. a lot of them, and them, and uh, Simeone as well. I mean, there, there is a there is a chance that the team could get relegated. Obviously, not wishing it upon you, but what what happens? You stay if that happens. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to look too far ahead of myself, but like I said, I'm here. Um, I want to help the club survive. Um, and when we do, if, if no, I don't really want to look at it like that because I'm focusing on the next game, Leeds. Yeah. Um, and my, my mindset, I'm, you know, I have that positivity where I tell my teammates all the time, you know, we can stay up. Um, and having that positivity around the team and around the club. But honestly, I don't want to look too far ahead. Because um, my focus is just on staying up. I've jumped to come here, you know. Yeah. I'm willing to fight. Uh, you know, a lot of players, as you know, probably would have been scared to take this challenge on. I'm not. Do you feel like a sort of standard bearer for a, for a new Newcastle? Um, you know, I feel like in this moment of time, I think, you know, players maybe can look at myself coming here um, from a big club in, in Madrid and it just shows what Newcastle can do. They can attract still very good players. And it just shows, you know, what I'm like as a character to even, you know, if people are questioning me, then it shows what I'm like as a character to come to Newcastle in the position that they're in. It doesn't scare me. Um and yeah, I'm excited to be here. Most importantly, you know, I know the blacks, I know the manager, I know the uh, the players, and it's a great challenge. And you know, I'm excited about it. And it might sound weird, and people might question that, but it is, and I, it is a good challenge. I'm excited to help the club move forward. Does it involve a change in mentality and the change of the way that you work, having to go from the Champions League, just winning the just winning the title in Spain, to being at the bottom of the table? No, if not, it makes me. You know, work hard more because if the players see myself coming from from Madrid and they see the way I train, which is I work hard in training every day. I'm always in the gym before before and after training. If they see that and they, you know, think oh, you know, he works hard, um, and hopefully that can 
that, that can feed off other players and they see my positivity, they see I'm willing to work hard and hopefully that pushes them pushes them more. And I'm not saying they're not working hard because they are, but I mean, you know, to see me working hard, um, you know, they think, you know, it pushes them more. It is Kieran Trippier, it is delicious! Glorious! Picture perfect! There we go, fantastic stuff from Alan Shearer, Kieran Trippier and our own George there as well, popping up at the end, lovely to hear that. Um, George, there was a great quote from an agent uh, in your roundup of the window who said, with Trippier signing, others will follow. How important do you think his arrival was? I think it was just massive. I think it was massive. I think it was a huge statement. I mean, it wasn't a position that Newcastle necessarily needed to to strengthen as a priority, but I just, I just think that he did set the tone for everything. He's a current in England international. He's just played in the European Championship final. He's just won La Liga in Spain. He did want to come back um, to the Premier League and to the North. He had personal reasons for wanting to do that, and he's agreed to to you know to absolutely come into the thick of a relegation fight, and come with the attitude that he's come. I love his kind of humbleness. The, one one of the things in the interview that wasn't kind of used, he talked about he like, you know, what he really wants to do is move back to Bury. He says his missus is not really into that, but uh, she wants to live in the posh bit of Manchester. <laughs> but it's like, you know, and he had a day off after he joined Newcastle. He had a day off and went back and stayed with his mum and dad in their old council house. And he woke up to his mum's breakfast. And that's, you know, it's just the sort of attitude he, he has. And I, I love that. And we did see it straight away in the Cambridge game, as Alan talked to him about. You know, he was the one driving the the other players to come back onto the pitch. And it set a tone. It set a tone. And I don't think without him... I, th- I think without him, it would have been very difficult to persuade some of the others. Now, I think the Leeds result was probably very important too, uh, coming when it did. But, yeah, I, I just I just love what he, what he sort of stands for, um, you know, in terms of both talent. He's, he's the kind of player you want because he's really fucking good. You know, he's good... And, you know, that's the kind of player you want to see at Newcastle, of course, but it's also his attitude as well. And, um, yeah, I just, how often do you get excited about right-backs? I mean, it's not the position you kind of drool over, but <laughs> I, I just, you know, it kind of makes me think a little bit about Barry Venison when he came to the club, uh, not long after promotion and stuff, but set a tone. And I think Trippier does something, something very similar. Yeah, absolutely. It almost felt like a statement signing from me from the owners as well. It was a kind of a, you know, you think we're green as grass and you think we're, uh, you know, we we haven't done this before. We've we've never run a football club before. Well, you just look at who we can go and get when we put our mind to it. You know, that I thought that was a great way of introducing themselves to the world of football and saying, this is what we can do. These are the players that we can get. You know, I thought that was fantastic. But, but do you know what, Taylor, the, the, thing, the kind of impressive thing about it, it wasn't a statement like, here's Rubinho or here's Neymar. I mean, no, I know that was, no, no. You know, you know it was, it's what, it's, it, it, here's a statement. Yes, he's a big, he's a big player. And yes, he's an instant upgrade. But he's also someone who will help in the current position right here, right now. He'll scrap and he'll lead by example. Absolutely. Right. We'll be back in just a second to wrap up the last few bits of news. Uh, Stay tuned. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Right then, chaps, just before we wrap things up, there's a few other bits and pieces to get through. Uh, and it starts uh, with Everton, the two clubs in a race to get their shit together first before next week's game. Yeah, it's an interesting one, this, and we're all we're all going in various capacities, aren't we? So I'm sure we'll have some uh, we'll have some interesting uh, opinions after the game and before the game. Yes, and we'll we'll try and we'll try and report on the match in a, in a bit of a different way, perhaps, and get a flavour of the big match. I mean, it's like it feels like we're just going from massive match to massive match to massive match. But obviously, yeah, Everton sacked Rafa, brought in Frank Lampard now, so it's all changed there. Brought in Deli Ali, that's very interesting. Someone that Newcastle expressed uh, expressed uh, a bit of interest in towards the end of the window, and it's just a massive one, isn't it? You know, Everton and then Villa, they they just feel like they feel like massive games, and they do feel like. Um, you know, games that Newcastle have to get positive results from to to build on the momentum of Leeds, to build on the momentum of bringing players in. Um, they have to keep they have to keep it moving, don't they? So yeah, it's a massive one. It's huge, Chris. It'll be interesting to see if those new signings can hit the ground running, won't it? Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how many of them actually start. I mean, obviously, Gimaresh is not yet actually in the country. He will be on his way back from uh, Brazil, presumably tomorrow. Potentially with um, Miguel Almiron, sorry, on on Thursday, so two days from from when we're recording. So he will have only had a few days with the squad, and Eddie Howe's often reluctant to just throw players in. So whether he actually starts, I'm not so sure. I think that Byrne will come into the side. I think Target will come into the side. And so, in theory, four of the January signings, if not all five, will probably start that match, and then Gimresh may may well be on the bench. But the the yeah. that that new look defence. They'll be drilled all week, hopefully put into shape and, and hopefully to, to, to make an impact on what is that an absolutely huge night. And it's going to be a big a big occasion for Dan Byrne making his debut as a Newcastle player at St. James' Park. He's played there before. Um so yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see who, who comes into the team, whether there's a reshaped formation, whether it remains four three three, whether that changes a little bit. Um and at the moment, I mean there's a big there's a big question mark. As, as things stand over whether Chris Wood's going to be back in time. We don't know exactly what is happening yet. Um, the the New Zealand game, essentially, that he's away on international duty. New Zealand's match has been cancelled because there's been a, a COVID outbreak within the squad. We, we There's no information yet on who exactly has been affected by that and whether who has to quarantine or not. And so we're unsure yet whether Chris Wood is, is going to become back. I've asked the club about it. We haven't had any further information beyond on that. So if Chris Wood wasn't to feature, then that could be a big blow for Newcastle. So I have to hope that that, that, that isn't the case. Yeah, really looking forward to the, the game on Tuesday. It should be fantastic atmosphere. And as you know, what always happens with Pod on the Time is that we bring the podcast out before the news. So next week, uh, we're going to have a little change and uh, we're going to record after the Everton game so you'll get all the reaction to that match. Uh, right then, some players did go out from the club as well. Um, Freddie Woodman uh, left on loan. Uh, Matthew Bonswell, uh, by all accounts, shouldn't have any trouble fitting in with his new teammates there. <laughs> God, you were always <laughs> going to do that joke. <laughs> anyway, um, Matty Longstaff uh, has gone out to Mansfield, I believe, Chris. That's right, isn't it? Yes, League Two Mansfield. Mansfield, Jeff Hendrick, uh, probably the biggest name and the, the, the first team player who's left and joined QPR and Jack Young as well. Now, what this means is that it leaves us with a squad of 28 senior players uh, which need to fit into a squad of 25 for the Premier League. And 28 doesn't go into 25, as you well know. So three of those are going to be uh, kicking their heels at Long Benton until June. Um, it's an interesting one, this, George. Somebody's going to have to miss out, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think we've got a good idea who some of those players will be. But 
Um, Newcastle don't have to submit that list, I don't think, until until the end of the week. Um, it's always awkward because ideally, you know, we know we we know, for example, that uh, that Middlesbrough were interested in Kieran Clark, and that um, I think Birmingham were trying for Jamal Lewis. Ideally, you don't want players, um, a rump of players who are not going to get game time to be hanging around the place. It's awkward for them. It's unfortunate for them, you know, with the best will in the world. And, you know, there is there is always that sort of worry that disaffection can sort of spread around the place. That's not, you know, that's not aimed at those characters or, or anything like that. But, you know, it's just sort of a fact of life. And so... Um, yeah, not not what not what anybody would have wanted, and so yeah, I've got to hope that that sort of doesn't doesn't have a negative effect. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. There is still, however, opportunity that a player could leave uh, on loan or or go out after deadline day. Adam Leventhal provided a handy list uh, of the leagues uh, with transfer windows still open that might come in uh, useful to Newcastle United, Israel, Austria. Switzerland, Slovenia, Slovakia, Russia, Czech Republic, Argentina, Poland and Brazil. Chris, any interest from any of those countries for any of Newcastle's players? Uh, I think it's unlikely. I mean, we have seen uh, peculiar moves before, like Rolando Ahrens went to the Czech Republic and, and things like that. I mean, yeah. what I will say about this situation is you look at someone, like, my understanding is Kieran Clark did have opportunities, not the same with Jamal Lewis. But it's it's a difficult decision for them, and I know that that, that increasingly a lot of players sort of turn down some of those loan moves because their 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 concern grows that if they go on loan and struggle, then when the club tries to get rid of them in the summer, is is as likely if you're being sent out on loan in those circumstances, then it actually negatively affects what might happen to you in the summer. And so if the move doesn't feel right, then they won't go. For those reasons, I mean the 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 other ones that you mentioned that are sort of fascinating in, in the sense that. You've got Matty Longstaff a couple of years ago uh, signed in Newcastle deadline day of the summer of 2020, basically pushing to to, to keep Matt not deadline day, sorry, but in the middle of the middle of the window, his contract actually expires before he signs another contract, significant pay rise, and yet it he stagnated since he went on loan to Aberdeen. That was cut short because he didn't play much there, and now he's playing in League Two. At Mansfield, I mean that's been quite an interesting one. That, the, isn't it? The, the fourth and grace for, for for Matty Longstaff. So let's hope that he starts to play well, pushes up the league. Freddie Woodman finally gone to Bournemouth. He had a medical there in the summer, was ready to sign, and just as he was about to sign, was called back when Martin Dubravka was injured. Obviously started the season in goal, but but a, a good move for him. Hopefully he plays there. And to just touch upon Jeff Hendrick, I mean yesterday was his birthday as well. He moved out on his birthday. It was Jeff Hendrick, happy birthday, and, and off you go to QPR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Jeff, on your bike, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, yeah, in other news, uh, 2,700 fans saw the Newcastle United women's team knocked out of the cup by Ipswich. NUWFC manager Becky Langley was upbeat despite the defeat. Well, it's been a fantastic day, first and foremost. To have nearly 3,000 Geordies cheering us on was absolutely outstanding experience for the staff and the players. Um, but yeah, I was so disappointed. It just felt like we were pushing and pushing in that second half to get a goal. I think we had eight, ten corners in the second half and you just the whole crowd was just trying to get that ball into the back of the net. But unfortunately, it's one of them things. It just, it just didn't happen for us. Um, but we're very proud of the players and, and how much they gave to their performance. There we go. And uh, Beth Guy as well, uh, Newcastle United women's captain, said we went toe-to-toe with a team in the league above who are top of the league and pushing for the championship. We created so many chances in the second half, but unfortunately, it wasn't our day. That's a shame. Uh, and good luck to the uh, to the lasses in the future. Uh, right then, that's it for today. We're going to be back next week after that crucial home match against Everton. Thank you to George and thank you especially to Chris for all of his work uh, during the transfer window. Chris, time for a nice lie down, I think, maybe? Yeah, I'm just going to sleep for three weeks now. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. George, uh, nice to speak to you as well. We shall speak to you again after the Everton game. Yeah, well, if I can get over the target um, Farago, um, I may consider coming back on the show next week, but I'm still... We need to sit down and have some grown-up conversations about this podcast, don't we? <laughs> I think we do, yeah. Yeah, what have we done? What have Who we are done? We? What have we become? Oh, man. Anyway, don't forget, uh, that 33% discount is back and you can get a third offer subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. That's it. 
for this week. Look after yourselves. Be well. We shall see you on the other side of Everton. Thanks very much. Cheerio. God, that was a long podcast. I can't remember a time that we weren't recording this podcast. <laughs> no, that was a long podcast. Do you need anything else, uh, Ollie? Because I've got two kids who are desperate for that tea. Oh, no, we're not letting, we're not letting you <laughs> no, off No, that no, 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 no. That all has to stay in. No, nah, if we're going down, you're coming with us. <laughs> He's not. He's not. He played for England under-21s, didn't he? He played for Scotland under-19s, but he plays for England under-21s. Oh, he did play for England. Sorry, he doesn't play for Scotland. Nationality British. That doesn't help, does it? <laughs> he was born in Eastleigh. Born in fucking Eastleigh, Ollie. <laughs> Since he's played for Scotland, he's played under 19s. He's played for England under 19s. He's played for England under 20s. Under 20s and 12 England, appearances yeah. for England under 21s. He's as Scottish as I am, which is not Scottish. That's astonishing. You've barely looked at his career, and you've 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 <laughs> even you've even managed to get the joke wrong. I mean, oh my god, Taggart Taggart was fucking terrible, but at least that sort of makes sense in a terrible way. Doing it because he's fucking Scottish makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to when you eviscerated Pete Russell here. This is this is. Oh my god. <laughs> I really have to go. All right, yes, goodbye. (laughs) See you later. Well done. The Athletic.